The name of this podcast is called Read a Book. The book we are reading is called The War on Kids, How America Juvenile Justice Lost His Way by Kara H. Drennan. Reading section D from chapter 3. Mandatory minimums drafted for adults apply to kids. The final section of chapter 3 returns to the concept of mandatory minimums to explore how those sentences often disproportionate disproportionate for adult defendants are especially unfair to juvenile defendants. To recap, kids can be charged with a crime even for age-appropriate actions in school. They can be transferred to adult court with ease, and they are unlikely to receive effective representation once there. For juveniles who experience that trajectory or some variation on it, the imposition of a mandatory minimum can be the final nail in the coffin. Academics and practitioners have written about the ways in which mandatory minimums are dehumanizing for adult defendants, and this argument applies with equal if not greater force to minors. Molly M. Gill of the advocacy group Families Against Mandatory Minimums have conceived of mandatory minimums, especially lengthy ones, as a human rights violation. As she explains, Offenders go to sentencing hearings justifiably expecting to be treated like individuals. Mandatory minimums replace the individual in the sentencing equation with one or two factors, drug type and weight, or whether the crime is a third strike that are poor substitutes for blameworthiness. They fail to account for the nature of the crime or the offender's mental state, criminal history, or a role in the offense. Essential factors in determining how much punishment is deserved the, the inevitable result is cruel, inhumane, degrading, and undeserved overpunishment. Moreover, as Gill explains, mandatory minimums often lead to sentences that are disproportionate to the crime committed. For example, sometimes a third felony offense indicates a dangerous criminal who should be removed from society for a lengthy period of time. But in other cases, a third felony is not in indicative of a person who is past the point of redemption. Gill points to the case of Leandro. Andre, who stole $153 worth of $153 worth of videotapes and received a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole for 50 years because the crime was his third felony conviction. Andre had many mitigation factors in his case. He was an army veteran, a father of three, and a drug addict. His prior felonies were nonviolent property crimes. Yet the man mandatory sentences scheme gave the judge no opportunity to, to distinguish Mr. Andre from a hardened violent criminal. The case of Weldon Angelos also highlights the disproportionate nature of mandatory sentencing schemes. Angelo sold marijuana three times to an undercover officer, each time charging $350 for the drugs. While Angelo lawfully owned a gun and had the gun with him during two of the drug sales, he never brandished it or used it. Yet the relevant federal sentencing law referred to as gun stacking required a 5 to 30 year min mandatory minimum sentence for processing, brandishing, or discharging a gun during a drug trafficking crime. And for each subsequent gun conviction, there was a mandatory sentence of 25 years that had to be served consecutively. Once he had been convicted, Judge Paul Cassell, who presided over Angelo's case, had no choice but to impose a 55-year minimum for the three gun charges related to the drug sales. The judge imposed one day for the marijuana sales, and he said at the time of the sentencing that he knew the sentence was disproportionate and unfair. In his sentencing option, Judge Cassell highlighted the arbitrary and unpredictable nature of mandatory sentencing schemes, comparing Angelo's sentence of 738 months to the 188 months that a rapist of three two-year-olds have received and the three five, 500 
and the 235 months that a murderer of three had received. Angelos was ultimately free because of the deal orchestrated by the prosecutor who sent him away. But the law that required his 55-year sentence is still on the books. And as Gil writes, mandatory minimums may get in a proportionate sentence a matter of luck, not a matter of justice.